It's December 17th, 2006, and this is The Candid Frame. Thanks for joining me for another episode of The Candid Frame. Today's guest is Martin Trailer, and he's a photographer that I met while I was attending the uh, Jay Maisel's workshop at the Santa Fe Photographic Workshop this past summer. And one of the reasons I chose, chose uh, Martin was because I really liked his images and the way he infuses his own personality and sense of humor into his work, which I think is very important because I don't see a lot of photographers who are... Not so much funny, but photographers who really, you know, try to put a little twist on their images that not only makes it, makes their work distinctive, but brings a smile to your face. And I think Martin, in in a lot of his images, does just that. But uh, secondly, I wanted to interview him because he's a great example of a photographer whose personal work um, is just as impactful as his professional work. And Martin Trailer has been taking a series of owners and of uh, of trailers, and uh, he's been doing this wonderful series largely for his own personal gratification. I, I don't think he's been using it commercially, other than the, what he's been doing on on his showing on his website. But nevertheless, it's really important when you're a professional photographer to continue to find opportunities to practice your, your craft, even if you're not getting paid for it. To do those kind of things that really put the fun back into photography, particularly if you've been doing it for years and much of your time is is mostly involved on the business end of photography. And it's something to consider even if you aren't a professional. And uh, I think you're going to get a lot out of this interview. And here we go. Our interview with Martin Trailer. Thank you for uh, taking the time this morning to talk to me. I really uh, appreciate it. Um, oh, I'm flattered. <laughs> to be honest. Well, first, let's let's start off with how you got started in photography. I know you've been doing this for a long time, but where was your first uh, introduction to to using a camera? Um, probably when I was about six, seven years old. My uh, father used to take photographs. Uh, you know, just family snapshots and stuff. And then his father actually um, uh, traveled and. He had a an Argus C three thirty, I believe it was, a thirty thirty three, mm-hmm. something like that. It was a rangefinder camera, and you know that sort of like probably was my first introduction. And um, and then um, as a this, I think it was a Christmas present. I was um, given a, a Polaroid Swinger. Oh, I remember those. Oh yes, <laughs> <laughs> but the film cost you know quite a bit, so it wasn't. You had to be very judicious in what you shot. And uh, and then it just sort of progressed, you know, here and there. And then once I uh, got into junior high school, I uh, I was, there was an opportunity presented. Uh, basically, they were looking for somebody to photograph uh, events at school. And um, um, the principal... Uh, what happened was is that 
I, I, I was always interested in this stuff. So it was, you know, anything that had to do with photography, I was like, I was right there. So I was in charge of the audiovisual um, department, if you will, as far as a student could be. And I was the guy that, like, um, juggled all the projectors and stuff throughout the school. And so I had a particular time that I had to be in this particular room um, that was where all the stuff was stored, but I would do the scheduling there. And the principal would walk by every day at a particular time. Well, I caught him every single day and said, well, have you made a decision? I want to be the guy that does all this photography for the school. And finally, one day, he just said, fine, don't bother me anymore. You got the job. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, because of that, they, they got an allocation of money, and they bought a bunch of equipment and um I shouldn't say a bunch, but they got some dark, pretty good darkroom equipment and stuff. And uh, I was, I had to shoot with the principal's camera, which was a speed graphic. It was a two and a quarter, three and a quarter speed graphic, which if if you know what that is, it's, oh yeah, it's a mini press camera. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then I was, and then it graduated up to a Yashica twin lens, and you know, um, so you know, it was a process. Um, and then uh, did that junior high school for three three years, and then I went to high school and basically did the same thing and uh, started working for a newspaper when I was fifteen. Really? Um, yeah. Well, you know, I did. I did. I. I. Anything that could do with photography, I would do. I, I worked for a guy that was an author, and um, he shot um, like hunting trips and stuff and ultimately he went off to Alaska and did something else but I would do all these darkroom work um, and then after that I did it for another guy that was a he was a bow hunter that would he was an author kind of like what you talked about um, he was an author for bow hunting magazines and he would shoot you know animals with bow and arrows and I and he was also a hairdresser and but he had a little darkroom in the back of his place, and I did all his darkroom work. I would never and, and, put those two together. I, I would never put bow. I would never put bow hunter and hairdresser together. <laughs> I'm I'm sorry. <laughs> Jerry was an interesting fellow, <laughs> uh, but actually, it turns out well. And then from there, I went to work for a. a this is I, I did that when I was like 13, 14, and then when I was fifteen, I got I got the opportunity to go work as a, you know, like an internship at a at a, a newspaper that came out twice a week, and. Um, you know, I was the, the punk kid. Um, <laughs> so my, I, it's hilarious. My first assignment was to photograph, um, a gal, uh, that was in charge of the centerpieces for the, uh, um, like symphony benefit dinner or something like that. And I was 16 cause I had just got my driver's license and, you know, showed up and, uh, she looks at me. I said, I, yeah, I'm here to take your picture for the, you know, benefit dinner, blah, blah, blah. And she says, she looks at me and she goes, you're too young to be a photographer. <laughs> and quite frankly, I didn't know what to say. So I just sort of turned around, started to leave. And she's like, wait, 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 come back. <laughs> mm. And then, um, you know, I, I was always the junior guy. And there was always, you know, guys that were, um, you know, 20s and 30s that were the lead photographer at the newspaper. And then, um, then they hired a, a guy, Jules, um, who was in his mm, late 60s. And it turned out that Jules 
was the father-in-law of that guy, Jerry, that I was talking about, the hairdresser, oh, Bo yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> a really small world. Um, <laughs> but he was, he had been married to one of Jules's uh, daughters. And, um, in fact, Jules's granddaughter was Jerry's, um, daughter. So, you know, it's a really small world, but Jules, Jules has since passed away. He, he, he used to work for McCall's and he was, um, he, he worked, he was in the Navy and then he worked, you know, for McCall's magazine and, uh, did a lot of stuff, finally retired, and, and then he just did this other thing with the newspaper, sort of as a, a, um, an addition to his Social Security. How did you uh, end up finding your way into the more, the more commercial work? Because when I look at your website, I see that you do a lot of, a lot of, that, type of, uh, um, a lot of that type of work. Well, when I was at the um, newspaper, um, I worked there, I forget, for about four or five years. So um, uh, during when I was in high school, uh, I went to Mission Bay High School. Mission Bay High School in San Diego here um, was like the original magnet school program, which was they focused on a particular area. And um, they had a graphics program, which included photography. It was, you know, printing, uh, photography, silkscreen, letterpress. Um, so it was these emphasis and I did that for two years. Um, and so, because I was pretty grounded and knowledgeable about stuff in the photography business by then, because I'd done it so much. And then from, once I left high school, I went to um, college. And, um, but that was, because we didn't really, in, in high school, you didn't really have view cameras and, you know, it wasn't really high-level commercial kinds of stuff. So um, I went to uh, San Diego City College, which had a, which had a great, still does, have, has a great photography program that really talks or speaks to the more commercial side of things. It deals, you go through, a, a, I don't know how they do it now, but there's a, a beginning sort of thing, and then there's a portraiture thing, and then there's a commercial aspect. Well, uh, you know, I was always one to have my own stuff. I had a dark room for years at my parents' house, and uh, one day I was out, and I saw an ad for a studio sale, and I needed a lens for my view camera. And I stopped by a guy's place and met him, and I bought the lens. And then I said, oh, by the way, do you do internships? I'm going to San Diego City College. I'm doing a photography program. And he kind of looked at me and goes, I went there. Sure. Come on in. <laughs> so within you know a few months, you know, I became, you know, an asset to the studio. I became a value to the studio, and that was when I started getting paid. Um, Which and, is always a good thing. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's kind of the internship. It's kind of the, the apprenticeship, if you will, of the photography business. And um, so ultimately I did quit my job at the newspaper because the problem was is that there was, you know, you can't work 24 hours a day because at the newspaper towards, you know, once I graduated to something uh, more than just the five W's, I was shooting all the sporting events. I shot, you know, baseball, basketball, football, you name it, um, you know. <laughs> and it was, a lot of it was like late afternoons and evenings into the nighttime because of the deadlines and stuff. And, you know, then I'd work at the commercial studio uh, during the daylight hours when I wasn't going to school when I wasn't going to college. So, um, you know, 
I just had to put a stop to something, and uh, so I, I left the newspaper and started working more full-time at the uh, studio, and then it went on on my own in about uh, 1979. Wow. You know, when I looked at your work, one of the things I really... A lot of people, when they think about becoming a professional photographer, they often, you know, focus on, you know, becoming becoming very well-versed technically, you know, in handling their camera, working with Photoshop, maybe even printing. Um, but when I look at your images, your images are really infused with uh, your personality, particularly your, your sense of humor. Um, I love your, your people photographs. They, several of those images really make me, you know, laugh out loud. And I want you to talk a little more about that because I think that's something that, that people don't think a lot about. They think about developing a style, but I think you do that, but you really infuse a lot of your yourself in, into that. And why don't you tell me about sort of how that plays a role in your work? Well, something I, I was, I guess, drilled into me or, or I accepted when people would say it is that if you don't make your work your own, then you're no different than anybody else. And so I have a way, I guess, of when I approach a subject, um, I guess I want to bring out that because, you know, people will say, people will say, well, I don't like to be in front of a camera. You know, I don't, you know, I don't like cameras. I, I never take the, I love that phrase. I never take a good picture. It's like, wait a minute, you're not taking a picture. I am. <laughs> <laughs> so, so um, I always try to get somebody to react to me, and I will do some pretty silly things to get people to react somehow. Um, uh, whatever it might be, you know, you can't necessarily have a humorous situation where you have a a CEO. Although you can, I mean, to some degree, you just can't have them laughing out loud, but you can, you know, the first thing that smiles on people's faces is their eyes. And, and to get that first and capture that to me is a success because you show some humanity behind that, that stiff person. Because a lot of times people are very, uh, um, in powerful positions are very uh, careful about how um, they let their personality come out, because it could it could affect business. It could it could be uh, a tremendous amount of money um, that people could read into. Uh, maybe they're not serious. Let's say, like I, I had a uh, I photographed a CFO one time um, for a, a major hospital chain, and the idea was is that we wanted to capture a little something to do with everybody's personality. You know, one guy had a dog. You know, and another guy was a he sailed and things like that. Well, the CFO guy liked to play cards. He liked to play bridge. So he says, "Well, how about we just like I could do a fan deck of cards and I could have one of those green visors on." And I said to him, "I said, well, you're the CFO, right? Yeah. So you're handling the money, right? Yeah. Well, don't you think what you just described to me was like gambling?" <laughs> I don't think that'd be. A, let's let's go someplace else. Let's do something else. Because <laughs> well, I like to go to Hawaii. Okay, we'll do something Hawaiian. <laughs> but you have to be a little bit careful about that sort of thing because you can imply the wrong message 
um, through. But, you know, most people have a really interesting side to them, and you just need to draw it out. And I, I try to go for the the, uh, the fun side. You know, life life's only so long, and so you want to you wanna look for the positive. Yeah, the one image that I really like of yours is of that girl that's in the floating in the pool on that uh, yellow floating device with the... Uh, <laughs> With the uh, um, with the helmet on, um, what is that? What's what's the helmet? It's, um, it's a welding welder's hood. helmet. Yes, that's a great image. So, tell us about that. Well, that um, that <laughs> that's fairly recent. Um, that uh, the idea was is that I was working with an art director uh, for an advertising agency, and the idea, and they they did call me for the very reasons that you're asking about this, this humor side of what I do. Um, the idea was is to, to show upscale living in a way that to, uh, to appeal to uh, 20, 30-year-olds um, and also indicate in a, in a sort of subtle way but humorous way that these things are not built. So it's it's a housing project in a in a redevelopment area that um, for the younger crowd, for 20, 30 year olds, you know, so they're like up. Uh, say I don't know if they have a I wouldn't call them yuppies, but you know, up and coming mm-hmm. with a lot of disposable income, but in a humorous way to appeal to them uh, that there's this construction aspect because a lot of people don't really like to be moving to places that are under construction or there's construction going on because it can get noisy and dirty and it can be inconvenient. Yeah. So the idea was is to show that uh, this is a condominium project and it's a high rise. So the pool will be on the roof. So the pool is the upscale living and obviously the welder's hood is the uh, construction aspect. So we cast a, uh, a model um, and, you know, we didn't want to play play up too much on the uh, uh, model side. So she's in a one-piece bathing suit, and um, she's got a welder's hood on. Now, there's there's actually several versions of that image that um, um, we worked on, but uh, the one that uh, ultimately was used was uh, she's reclining with her um, welder's hood on. And we did – one of the things that we pulled in is we pulled in a, a an adult beverage sitting in that chair – Oh, yeah. <laughs> with a celery stock in it. <laughs> and she's having a Bloody Mary with her welder's hood on. One of the other images I really like of yours is with that guy in a business suit pushing up a huge wadded ball of paper. Ah, yes, okay. the middle manager doing paper pushing. <laughs> <laughs> how did, that, how, did that come up as a result of working with an art director, or is this something you came up on your own? Actually, that was another art director, different art director. Um, I've lost track of him, unfortunately. He was he was really a blast to work with. Um, but but the idea was basically um, it was a, it was a combination. A lot of times, people will come to me with some ideas, and we sort of flesh them out, trying to figure out the best way to achieve that. And this particular that particular art director, he was a little bit on the you know a little bit new, and so he had this idea how he wanted to. Uh, convey that idea, convey the paper pushing idea, and um, 
his boss, who I knew very well, he was a senior art director, he said, you know, make this happen. Mm. <laughs> so um, I rode my mountain bikes, and that particular trail is like out in the middle of nowhere. It's about two miles off the road. So we had to hike up there and get that selection for background. And we, were, we wanted to um, have a contemporary feel for it because it's, you know, it's just, it's out in the wild. And so we added some color here and there. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we pumped up the blue sky with some filters and the base um, with the, the coffee uh, Sienna filters at the bottom. But then we had to duplicate that with him in the studio pushing that piece of paper. Oh, okay. So it is a Photoshop trick. But the, the, the thing is, is that the guy and that ball of paper are same shot. All right. So it's, a, it's, it's two pictures. It's the trail, and then it's also the guy pushing that piece of paper in the studio. That's a seamless shot. It's, it, it's seamless paper. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, it's like, you know, it was about a roll and a half of paper. There's C-stands sticking up behind it to hold it up because it, when you get that much paper together, you know, it's not like a little wad of paper. It's like a big wad of paper and it collapses on itself. Oh, okay. So how much of your work that, uh, that we see on your website in terms of some of this conceptual stuff is a, a result of working with uh, art directors and how much is, of it is stuff that we, you just came up on your own and that you, you created? Oh, probably a third of it's mine. And the, the, a lot of it is, is work that I was hired to do, which, you know, I was involved with coming it up. With, with, I didn't necessarily come up with the original idea but most of them are kind of fleshed out. Um, you know, there was a, there's one where there's a guy um, threading a needle. Uh, that was just sort of a passersby. Somebody threw that at me one day. I said, well, how can we get somebody threading a needle? So, you know, we just, that was just sort of, sort of somebody just said that to me, and it's like, oh, I started thinking about it and sketched something out, and boom. We executed and had it done in a day. Nice. Um, you know, we've uh, we've done other things where people people just say you know uh, random things, and you know it sort of sparks an idea, and that's where some of the stuff comes. You know, it's, all things, all kinds of things in life in general um, can spark ideas. Well, one of the things I wanted to to talk to you about that I think is kind of important is is personal projects. Um, you know, when you, when you're doing this for a while, you can easily, I know a lot of photographers that risk or experience burnout as a result of just doing, though they may have a love of photography, they get so invested on just sort of making a living that they can get, you know, sort of, they get burned out, period, uh, bottom line. Um, but I saw that you and your personal project on trailers was really just fantastic. Um, I can see what inspired it, your last name, Trailer. But uh, tell me how, how this whole idea uh, came about and what the process has been in terms of finding, finding subjects. Uh, yeah, well, <laughs> being blessed with a noun for a last name. <laughs> um, 
you know, I've, I've thought about, I thought about it for a long time before I ever did anything about it. Um, I, I always sort of wanted to play off of my last name because it was always fun. And, you know, in our family, it was always something that we sort of played around with. You know, uh, we used to talk about how we should open a trailer park called Trailers Trailers. Just, you know, just, and I've never owned a trailer. <laughs> in fact, nobody in my family that I know of has ever, ever owned one. So it's just kind of, you know, funny. But um, a few years back, I decided, okay, I'm going to do something. I want to do something. I don't know what it's going to be, but I want to pursue this thing a little bit. So I started doing a little research, and, um, you know, with the Internet, it's, it's a lot easier. And um, searching around and just finding different things. And I had no idea the depth of uh, the enthusiasm for people with these, especially vintage trailers. Vintage mm -hmm. trailers are just amazing. Um, they have so much history. Um, it goes back to, like, the 1930s and, and even before that. In fact, uh, there's a place, um, it's just outside of Pasadena, that's a, um, a vintage trailer stop, if you will. And it was just, uh, I think it was about two years ago, they... Um, um, set it up as a historical site, and because it, it was originally a, a Pony Express stop, oh, and then man. it became yes, and then it became it was part of the Route 66 to Los Angeles stop, and it sort of just sort of languished there, and um, these guys had these vintage trailers from the 30s and 40s and 50s, um, and y y when you I I went there one time. Uh, about two years ago, and once you, you know, you're you're in Los Angeles. I mean, you're in Pasadena. You're right near the highway there, and you go down into this place, and it's like you're a hundred miles away from Los Angeles. It's a, just this amazing place because it's like dropped down below the road, and some of the original buildings go back to I don't know, probably the 30s. Um, certainly not back to the Pony Express area, but <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's actually very it's fast. I mean, there's some really interesting old places there. So anyway, um, that's just one one place. One of the uh, other things is that in um, Newport Beach, it's called Newport Dunes, they have a vintage trailer rally there every year in late May. And uh, first time I went, it was just, it was hilarious. It was, it was just so fun to see all of these old vintage trailers and to learn, you know, not, not that it has anything to do with me, as a me being named trailer, but it was just really fun to learn all this stuff and to see all this history with these uh, things called, you know, trailers. Um, Cause it all came out of uh, the aircraft industry. Um, a lot of the original trailers were built by aircraft manufacturers. So some of them are um, just phenomenal engineering feats. Um, some of the early ones, you would actually get better gas mileage pulling one of these things than if you didn't, just because of the aerodynamics. <laughs> it's interesting. It's, but tell me about that picture that you have that, that leads off your portfolio of these. It's about the, the couple. She's wearing like a red sweater, and he's a bearded guy with a with a tie. How did you find them, and how did you come to to uh, sh decide to shoot this couple. image? Yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> I met him at a trailer rally. Um they are uh, they're 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 antique trailer enthusiasts. 
they're also car enthusiasts. Um, a lot of it seems like a lot of people that were that are car enthusiasts, they get to a point where they you know they've done their car thing and now they need something to pull. Um, that, that particular couple, they have um, they've collected over the years. I'm going to guess a dozen trailers, various you know Shastas and Spartans and different models, makes and models. And their idea was to have a uh, bed and breakfast. So, um, you know, you'd, it'd be like essentially like a motel of sorts, and the trailers themselves would be the rooms. In fact, there's one in Bisbee, Arizona, um, that you can do this at. Um, but those two, they hadn't quite fulfilled their dream yet. They were still collecting and trying to figure it all out, and they were going to have like horse shows and car shows, and you know, they had a ranch uh, in um, Temecula. And circumstances forced them to sell their property at that point, and ultimately it turned out to be a blessing because they got a place that's a lot bigger, and they have a lot more area for trailers. (laughs) But those two, um, I just, you know, I met them at a a trailer rally. They were pulling a little teardrop trailer, which is a very small, you can sleep in it, and you open the, the trunk, if you will, for cooking. But it's not something you walk in and... You know, so it's very small, um, but it's from the 1930s, fully restored. You know, I think they they told me they were offered like thirty thousand dollars for this little bitty, fully restored 1930s teardrop, which is, you know, it's got wire wheels. It's it's beautiful, but those are they're a they're a pretty good example of the type of of folks that uh, are involved. I mean, there's a lot of uh, art people from the movie business that are involved in this vintage trailer stuff too. You got um, you have another one with a guy who I guess is a, a surfer who has his ah. um very unique for lack of a better word right. uh trailer <laughs> design. Uh where'd you find him? He again at a trailer rally. I mean it's just they're like magnets there. Um yeah, he's a um he was a, a or is a personal trainer. Uh, I believe he lives in Malibu and uh yeah, he tricked it out. It's like totally, he was very into the vintage surfing thing era. So what he did was he took a vintage trailer and turned it into a vintage um, surfing trailer. Um, that, uh, that the surfboard that serves as the table inside um, actually punches through the front end of the trailer. And um, there's a, a, a bare-breasted woman that sits on top of that at the end out front. Mm-hmm. And then it's covered in bamboo and there's little tiki torches all the way around. And <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's totally tricked out. And, you know, he's the kind of guy, he's wearing, you know, 40s, 1940s vintage surf shirts, Hawaiian shirts. What's, but, what's, this uh, whole, what's this whole project meant for you in terms of your work? Has it, how has it influenced not only the way you sort of take pictures, but just how you approach photography as compared to what you have to do commercially? Well, this is like... Uh, for me, it's just, it's kind of, it's very free flow. Um, it makes it fun again. Um, you know, I don't know that I, I don't know that I would say I was burned out, like, you know, what you were talking about earlier. But, you know, there was certain amount of, it became work. And this, this whole trailer thing is just, it's just fun. I mean, I still go out, um, you know, just uh, trailer hunting. I mean, there's, and especially in the Southwest here, um, you know, there's, they, they seem to survive a lot better down here in the drier climes. 
Um, as soon as I um, take off, if I go just due east, as long as I stay south of, you know, the snow country, I seem to be able to find a lot of trailers, um, old ones in various states. Um, so it's just, it's sort of a way to get out. It's a way to, uh, certainly to meet people. Um, it's just, you know, it's, it's, it's just, it's fun. It's like, you know, when I was doing this when I was 15 years old, it was because it was fun. And it's, um, 15 years old was a long time ago. <laughs> so, um, it's back to that point again. It's like, it's like rediscovery. You know, I don't know how else to express it. It's yeah. just, it's a blast. <laughs> and I think it's it's a it's something that's important that people need to to remember because you know you, a lot of people aspire to be professional photographers and I think once they do become they real you know it really is a job. You have to you know pursue clients, you have to fulfill obligations and yeah. in 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 short, you know, a very short period of time all of a sudden you can discover that you forgot the reason you got into this in the first place. So I think you know your project is a perfect example of how um, doing something for the sheer pleasure of it kind of reconnects you with, with the joy that you first experienced when you put a camera to your eye. Exactly. Yes. It's, it's you know, it's part of, a, you know, the camera, I, I guess you could look at it, the camera was sort of a way of, of um, introducing yourself. You know, it was, a, it was a reason to be there almost. Um, and when it's coupled with something you're kind of interested in, and the other thing I didn't mention, but... You know, if I, I'll bring business cards when I go to these various trailer things and I hand out my business card and people just look at me and go, no way. He's <laughs> <laughs> <was> like, yep. <laughs> well, you're, let's talk about a little about your involvement with the Advertising Photographers of America, APA. Um, okay. Tell, tell my listeners why you, what the organization is about and what role do you think it, it serves for photographers uh, who are out there who are either already uh, working professionally or those who are aspiring to? Uh, well, APA's mission is to serve uh, for advertising photographers, to you know promote the enlightenment, if you will, of both the uh, advertising photography community and the community at large, you know, and what, what value uh, photographers bring to that. So much of today's um, creative seems to be good enough is is good enough. And um, it's just kind of disheartening because, you know, we all try to pursue the best of everything. Um, but, you know, there's economic pressures here and there. And um, so if it's good enough, it's like, well, you got to compromise and things. Um, which is really unfortunate, you know, like, for instance, like the, the bathing suit gal with the the hood and all that stuff. I mean, they could have probably come up with some stock shot or, you know, something that already existed, but it certainly wouldn't have conveyed the same humor. It wouldn't have, have uh, caught the attention of the viewer because it, it, it is a striking, I mean, I'm not patting myself on the back necessarily, but it is pretty striking. You know, it's like you do you do a double take on it quick. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> but it was so that that kind of work is so specific that it really captures the audience quickly to draw them in 
and actually do the do the job of trying to sell them something. I mean, you know, as crass as that might sound, is that's kind of what it's that's what advertising and photography is about is to stop that viewer and convey something good or an idea to them. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, stock is just it's like you know, advertising photography is about originality and conveying those ideas, not necessarily with something that already exists. There's certainly a case to be made for that, but it seems like there's less and less of that. There's, it's like good enough seems to be the, the rule of the day. And it, to me, it's, it's, uh, it, everything seems to be getting more and more homogenized. Um, and it's not that, 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 quick stop that original, you know, like the humor thing. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. like, there's certainly there's humor, but it's, 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 um, people are taking photographs, illustrations, whatever, and building ads around them rather than building ads and then creating some art that fulfills the, the, the final ad need. So the, the mission statements are, are, are becoming, written around pre-existing art, which is really unfortunate. And, it, and because it's pre-existing, it's probably, it could have been very well been used for something else. It could mm-hmm. have been sold, you know, sell soap, sell cars, sell whatever. I mean, um, I saw um, a great example of this is, um, let's see, it was the, uh, I believe it was the August 2005 cover of CA Magazine. Communicating Arts, which is a very prestigious magazine. Mm-hmm, yeah. And it's a picture of a, a red-headed boy with an orange sweater writing on the chalkboard. And it's like all these very complex formulas, like physics or, or something like that. And I can't tell you how many times I've been shown that picture and said, by an art director, and said, here, this is what I want to do. And, you know... For me, it's like, well, we can't do this. We can't can copy this. It's like, well, we don't have to copy it exactly. It's like, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, this is, this is not the way it's supposed to work. It's supposed to work, okay, here's kind of what we're thinking about, and let's create something to illustrate that. Now it's like, here's what I want. Here's what I want it to end up looking like, and we'll make the ideas that we're going to draw to the ad based on what already exists, but we just want to copy it. And in fact, I've seen a car company nail that almost exact picture in a full page ad in the Wall Street Journal. And it was claiming um, innovative ideas. <laughs> but it, it, it just, it, it wasn't the same picture. It was obvious because it's a female that's doing it in the Wall Street Journal ad. Mm-hmm. But I mean, even the colors were almost identical. <laughs> and in fact, I saw a TV commercial that did change the color of the, the sweater. Um, but it was, it, again, it was very, it was like, just, it was, it was distinctly a knockoff. So I'm a little bit off target, but that, I mean, that's to me, one of the reasons why I got involved with the trade organization is to press forward to get people away from doing that sort of thing. Um, you know, it's obviously not in, photographer's best interest to reuse stuff over and over again unless they get paid for it. Yeah. But to me, that doesn't push the envelope of creativity 
thus you're sort of stagnating. Yeah, it's an excellent point, and uh, and I'll provide people the uh, the website so people can find out more information about APA uh, to check APA out. dot com. Okay, great. And there's lots of information there. There's chapter. You, you if you look under the chapters, there's uh, there's nine chapters. Um, and you know, just get involved. I mean, it's to everybody's benefit. Is you know the old saying of. A rising tide raises all boats. Mm-hmm. Well, the last question I, I end the show with is uh, I want uh, each photographer to recommend one particular photographer who they think um, special attention should be paid to. So who is that for you and why? And then it can be anyone. Ooh, special attention to any one particular photographer? Yeah. <laughs> Um, well, I'll tell you, when I was in my formative years, I actually looked to and was compared to, um, our professor, Mr. J. Mizell. And I, I think, um, that, uh, one of the reasons I did, I do the, the things the way I do them is because of the influence that I got from from Jay, you know, from many years ago. Um, because Jay does his stuff the way he does it, period, as you well know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, um, you know, we all have to form our own way of seeing things. And, and I think he certainly influenced me. And, I, you know... <sighs> To, you know, you look at you look at the work of today, and you look at the at the work of yesterday, and um, there's a distinct personality in both. And you, as an artist, have to define your own, and not. It's very important, in my opinion, to not copy, or try to emulate someone, but to understand where they're coming from and then you you know based on your own life experiences come up with your own mm-hmm. um, so from a commercial standpoint certainly you know Jay's right up there <laughs> well, for me yeah uh, and for me as well he's just he's fantastic I'm I'm glad we had the uh, opportunity to study under him this summer and uh... yeah you know I've done it for a number of years here and um but it was still uh the maestro <laughs> you know you always learn something going through those things always and uh you know Jay Jay was definitely an influence years ago and he was an influence months ago so um you know now that I'm talking about it, you know I, I had the uh, Arnold Newman who just passed away recently Arnold was an influence on me, too, because of his portraiture work. And um, I had the occasion to work with Arnold about 10 years ago. Oh, really? Uh, Holy by fluke. Um, He was here in San Diego, and I knew somebody who's a a, a, a manufacturer's rep and said, hey, you know, you want to work for a famous photographer? (laughs) I'm like, well, I haven't assisted anybody in, you know, 15 years. And he's like, so, do you want to work for him or not? He says, I'm not going to tell you until you say yes. So I said, okay, what the hell? Mm. <laughs> he goes, okay, you're going to work with Arnold. Really? 
<laughs> it was a very interesting day. It was very interesting. I mean, um, he uh, had a, he had his own approach to uh, working with the subject. Um, and le- I learned a lot. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's it's one of the reasons I, I have people, you know, photographers recommend other photographers because I think it's it's so important to recognize that, you know, we don't come into this all on our own, and there are a lot of people uh, who exist now or or have passed on who really deserve uh, a little bit of attention for their work. So thank you for oh, adding to that. Pardon? Thank you for adding to that, Martin. Thanks a lot for doing this. This is this was oh, great. My pleasure. Well, thanks again for joining me for another episode. If you have any comments or suggestions, email me at thecandidframe at gmail.com or leave a message on the blog at thecandidframe.com. Until next time, this is Ivarian X. Perillo, and this is The Candid Frame. Check out this show and more great photography podcasts at photocastnetwork.com. Photocastnetwork.com